Welcome back to another edition of the Bowlers Extra podcast. JCOnline.com through SoundCloud. Uh, Mike Carmen covers Purdue Sports for the Journal and Courier. And JCOnline.com uh, recording this on, what's today? Wednesday. January 13th, late in the afternoon. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the basketball game Thursday at Indiana. Also try to update you what's going on uh, from a football uh, standpoint. Uh, at least from from players, and uh, get into the hiring of Mark Hagan uh, coming back to Purdue, uh, which I you know I think is a good is a good thing. Um, he was here during a pretty successful time of Purdue football, not that automatically snap your finger and that's going to happen again. But here's a guy that knows the program's history. Uh, and also knows the state of Indiana from a recruiting standpoint, which uh, Purdue's put a lot of effort into recruiting in-state kids and, and has done very well. But it doesn't hurt to have another guy uh, who knows the territory very well, knows a lot of the high school coaches, and uh, that could, you know, even pay bigger dividends uh, down the road. We're going to start with going to start with basketball. Uh, had a chance. Tuesday to go watch a couple Purdue basketball recruits, uh, one who was signed, Caleb First, who's at Fort Wayne Blackhawk Christian, big kid, big center for them, and then uh, the other uh, player is Fletcher Lawyer, uh, 2022 commitment, uh, who, who plays at Homestead. They He, he and his family had moved from uh, Michigan before this year and landed uh, in the Fort Wayne area and they're playing at Homestead, Homestead and they have a really, <laughs> really, really good team. Homestead ended up winning the game by 12. Lawyer had uh, 23 points, I believe. He had 11, uh, 11 out of 13 during one stretch late in the game. Uh, three three-pointers. Uh, really just uh, kicked it up a notch uh, for Homestead and uh, tremendous shooter. Uh, will really be an asset for Purdue in that area. Um, he still has some work to do. But I had not spoken to him since he had committed to Purdue. So I'm going to relay a not a funny story, but just a story just to, to show you how old I am. Uh, I went up to Fletcher, introduced myself. I said, now, to break the ice here, um, I covered your mother. When she was in high school, because her mother, his mother, is uh, Katie Lawyer or Katie McFarland, uh, who played sports at, at McCutcheon uh, way back in the day, back when I was kind of first starting here as a freelancer. So I broke the ice that way with him, and then I was I was <laughs> driving home. I'm thinking it's like, man, how old am I getting when I'm starting to cover the kids? of the players that I covered when I first got here. And um, so he's, what, 16, 17 years old and uh, had a chance to talk to Katie on uh, Tuesday. But anyway, she was very nice. Uh, she was a tremendous athlete at McCutcheon, got into coaching now, is not in. She helps her sister, who's a volleyball coach up in the Fort Wayne area. But anyway, just wanted to share that story, just more of a reflection how old and how long I've been doing this. And I don't know how much longer I can keep keep up I just I, I just don't want to start covering grandkids I guess of the players I used to cover that would 
that would really be bad. But anyway, tremendous. I think a tremendous shooter really has a has a uh, an awareness about him and a presence on the floor. I think he's uh, now his dad uh, used to be in the NBA. I believe he was a coach at one time. He's been in the in the management part of it, uh, scouting department. He's done a lot of different things in the NBA. So it's easy to see where he picks up a lot of his a lot of his traits. Uh, and he, he's just, he is, he is a coach on the floor and, uh, you see where he gets it, but how he implements it. There was one instance, uh, in the game where he was trying to get the attention of his coach, uh, Homestead's coach. Um, and he finally did, and he wanted him to sub out a player or sub in a player for somebody else whether it was to help uh, with defense or rebounding or whatever. But I, I just kind of found that interesting that he, he briefly spoke to the coach and then the coach made a move uh, from uh, uh, on the bench to uh, to bring this other guy in. So F- Fletcher obviously uh, recognized uh, something uh, that he wanted to get in the game. So he has, he has that kind of smarts about him. And, of course, his brother Foster plays at Michigan State right now. Uh, so it's a deeply uh, enrooted basketball family, and you know I think Purdue's getting a really, really good shooter, and you know he'll be a nice, nice piece when you start bunching all these players together in the next two or three years. Um, though you know you, when you when you add Caleb first, and then Trey Kaufman Wren, then you add Fletcher Lawyer, um, and then uh, Jamal uh, Brown from from Mount East. Uh, along with what you have right now in your in your younger classes, uh, with uh, Jaden Ivey and uh, Ethan Morton, Zach Eady, uh, and uh, you know you got Brandon Newman, Mason Gillis. Uh, you've got a whole host of, of of guys there. When you when you put them all together, it, it looks like a a team and a program that uh, should be around the big top of the Big Ten for a long time, and also. Have a have a chance to make a deep run in the in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so there's more pieces to be to be had, and some you know some things that they're going to have to overcome, and it's not perfect, and uh, some things they're going to have to buy into. But you know you got to like what what Painter and his staff are doing from a recruiting standpoint uh, right now. And you know Caleb is a is a is a big guy. He's he's going to play down near the basket. Um, and you know that's probably where he's going to be more effective. He'll play in the four or five, uh, but you know with with Painter's uh, philosophy, it's not as much what you do on offense. It's like who can you guard on defense? You know, can Caleb Caleb should be able to guard uh, the fives, the centers, but can he guard a four when the four is taking him out to um, on the perimeter? You know, same with Trey Kaufman, uh, Wren. You know, can he? Can he guard a three when the three is out on the wing? And, you know, Painter asked that of all, of all his players. You know, where do they fit defensively? Because uh, you can, you know, really, really good players, great players fit anywhere offensively. But where do they fit defensively? Who can they guard? How much of the liability are they going to be? Uh, and there's been several players that have come into Purdue's program not really in tune defensively. But when they leave the program, they're much more in tune defensively um, for a variety of reasons. One being, well, they, they have to get on the court. Uh, so 
you know, and these I don't know if I don't believe these guys are liabilities defensively, but they're going to have to play defense and figuring out who they play, who who they can play against is probably going to be, um, you know, the major question uh, for a lot of these guys. But they definitely have the, the offensive skills and some other traits to really to really be successful. And as I said, Purdue's putting together a pretty good pretty good team for for a string of years that uh, you know th- I, you know I think will keep them up the top you know near the top of the of the Big Ten and then making a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Uh, as far as uh, Thursday's game at Indiana, you know, it'll be the fourth straight road game for Purdue, but it's, yeah, it, it is four straight road games that, you know, they haven't played a home game uh, in a while. Uh, they were supposed, you know, obviously they were supposed to play Nebraska, um, you know, last week, but, the, you know, that game got, got postponed due to COVID in the, in the Nebraska's program. So, um so they haven't played a home game in a while. Uh, so this will be Thursday. Will be the fourth straight road game, but it's not like an NBA where you're playing four, four straight on the road over six days or seven days. You know, this will be, I believe, four straight road games over seventeen days. So you don't have that kind of grind, but you you still you know you have to you have to adapt and you have to adjust on the road. And while the while there are no fans or large number of fans at these games, it's still, you know, the home team probably still has a little bit of an adjustment, but if Purdue can win Thursday, then they would get out of this four game road trip at two and two, which in, in this year's big 10, you know, this is not only playing the road games, but who you're playing. Uh, you played, you know, you went at Rutgers at Illinois at Michigan state. Now you're going at Indiana and if you come out of that stretch two and two, you've really kind of set yourself up to do um, to do some really good things in the second part of the Big Ten season because you're going to have much you're going to have more home games uh, in the back half, uh, a place where you feel comfortable. And again, you don't have the crowds, but you still have an advantage. Uh, and then today there was an announcement about a schedule change where the uh, January 27th game at Ohio State has been moved up to January 19th, which is uh, Tuesday, so the, now Purdue's going to play four games in nine days, and of their first eight games, six are going to be on the road. They still have to reschedule the Nebraska game at home, so now you've added another road game coming up uh, when you thought you were going to, you know, be at be at home and have some time off. Uh, but now they've created a little bit more of a <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a difficult stretch for for Purdue, but every big 10 team has to go through these stretches. And, um, even before the schedule were, you know, even, even though the schedule has been adjusted, it's still a difficult, it'll be a difficult stretch for Purdue to, to manage that. Uh, but again, you know, with, with Thursday's game at Indiana, um, you know, Purdue really needs to kind of make that Michigan state game work for them. And they need to use it as a launching pad into, um, you know, having more consistent play offensively across the board throughout the whole game and not just in the second half. Uh, I mean, Purdue overcame a lot of things to win that game at Michigan State. You know, the the poor shooting, uh, the defensive lapses, um, but to pick things up as they did with forcing some turnovers, 
uh, and getting some shots to fall and then playing through Travion Williams uh, really helped them pull that out. And then there was a lot, there were a lot of little things that had to happen to create an avenue for Williams to hit that last second shot. And they, and they did it. And sometimes those things line up and sometimes they don't, but without each one of those things, Purdue's not in a position uh, to win that game, but they, they do need to play a little bit more consistently on the road. You know, if you look at their road games in the big 10 and you started Iowa, you know, they got down double digits, you know, came back a little bit, but then ended up getting beat, go to Rutgers, Got down double digits, made a run, made a push, got a lead in the second half, but couldn't hold on. Go to Illinois, get down late in the first half, then have a big run, take a lead, but couldn't hold on. And then, uh, you know, same thing was about to happen at Michigan State. You get down early. You know, you only score 16 points in the first half. You're not shooting the ball well. It's really bad shooting, but, you know, really good defense by Michigan State. So you're, you're – they're – Purdue is jumping into the trend and that they're that they're having right now with getting down on the road and then coming back. But I, you know, I think this is a game now Thursday where you need to snap out of that. You need to again. You need to be. You know, you can't get behind again by double digits. And although you have the confidence you can come back, you you just you know you need to kind of snap out of that because you just that's not that's not the way you win in college basketball consistently is is trying to do that all the time. And that's, you know, you, you, you hope the Michigan State game clicks for them. It puts them on a path where you do see a little bit more consistent play, especially offensively, um, you know, playing through Williams as much as possible, much as that will be allowed. They need to get their three-point shooting going. They were not very good at Michigan State, haven't been very good uh, in recent games. Um, you know, if they can get some three-pointers, to, to go down and they do they do have some really good three-point shooters if they can get some three-pointers to go down you know I think that's probably will make their offense uh, go a little bit better but again the thing with this team has been turnovers and if they, they've got to avoid those and they've got to avoid them in stretches in bunches um, and they usually come after Purdue has put together a run to take a lead or extend a lead and again if you can avoid some of those problems I think um, you know, they'll, they'll have a really good chance uh, of beating Indiana. Um, you know, Indiana is, you know, not a, oh, you know, it, it's, it's, they've had a good year, not a great year so far. Their defense has been okay. Um, you know, they played one of those inconsistent games at Nebraska in their last game where they got up, they got behind, they were able to make plays at the end. Um, so they're going to, they're going to keep fighting you. Purdue over the course of the last couple of years has done a good job inside on on uh, on, on on Jackson uh, and they they've got to uh, continue that in some way and probably look and force other te- other other players to to beat them. I don't, I don't know why Matt Painter would go away from that uh, coming up because it has been successful. Purdue has had uh, the the defensive players to do it. Now you don't have the Matt Harms, the shot blocker that you've had in the past and you don't have no Joe Eastern, the, the defensive stopper that you've had in the past, but you still have enough uh, talented players there to, to kind of throw them off a little bit. And, then, you know, and if Purdue can somehow, you know, generate enough offense um, in this game to, to get out of, get out of there with the win. They've, they've won four straight games uh, in assembly hall. They've won seven overall in the series uh, Archie Miller has not beaten Purdue in his time 
uh, at Indiana, and that's something that is probably uh, not sitting well with the fan base. So they, they they probably look at this as a as a golden opportunity to to finally get a win against Purdue and you know push their season forward while keeping you know while pushing Purdue down a little bit. But um, you know and Purdue's just you know they're not going to win every game from here on out. But again, you're looking for some consistency on the offensive end uh, for them to, to kind of show signs of of growth and moving forward and, you know, seeing how some of these young guys continue to play, continue to improve, which could set them up for, you know, a really good second half of the Big Ten season in part based on the number of home games they're going to have, you know, based on a lot of different things. So, um, you know, Purdue could come out again. Purdue can come out of the stretch two and two. I think that would bode well for them uh, coming up. Uh, From a football standpoint, uh, still a lot of player movement uh, going around. Uh, from Purdue, um, you know, some things that have been that we've posted on the website here in the last few days. Uh, Giovanni Howard announced that he's no longer in the transfer portal. He was the junior college corner cornerback that came uh, last summer. Uh, then at the end of the year, opted out, put his name in the portal, but uh, announced that he is no longer in the portal and he will he will come back. Uh, and join the program. Uh, Tyler Coyle, who was a grad transfer um, from UConn, uh, joined the program last summer. Uh, he is going to play in an all-star game, so he is his, his time at Purdue um, is over. Um, there's still uh, at least one player that uh, hasn't um, at least announced what he's going to do uh, Anthony Watts, defensive tackle, um, seems to be up in the air exactly what he's going to do uh, because second semester classes start on Tuesday, uh, and he would have to have his uh, he'd have to be enrolled and all his uh, all his business uh, in order uh, for him to to play in 2021. Now remember, all these all these guys got a chance to got a free year. So there's no eligibility issues. As of now, it appears that uh, you'll have three, three from three from this senior class, definitely, you know, coming back to join the program for the 2021 season. Jackson Anthrop, uh, offensive lineman Greg Long, and linebacker and defensive end Samiki Fakasiki. I don't know if I said that right, but those are the three right now. That, that appear to be coming back. You know, Anthony Watts could make a fourth. There's been some talk about J.D. Dellinger possibly coming back. Um, you know, he said at the end of the year that he was he was ready to move on, that it was unlikely that he would come back. But, you know, people people have the right to change their mind. And if he would, if he would come back, I think that would really boost, obviously, the kicking game for Purdue. Uh, we give him a legitimate uh, kicker uh, there. Um, I know he didn't have a great game at Minnesota, but I think he had a really good season. And as much as he's developed and 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 grown and uh, matured, you know, since since he got here, you know, that would be a bonus from a special team standpoint to have a kicker of his experience. I'm not expecting Lorenzo Neal to come back, um, although nothing has been announced. I would be surprised if if Neil returned. Um, 
he, he seems like a guy that you know believes he's ready to go to the next the next level and get ready for the uh, the NFL draft. Uh, it would leave it would leave a bit of a hole uh, with him and Watts if they both didn't return uh, in the middle of that defense. But you know, without a defensive coordinator as of today, you know we don't know exactly what kind of defense Purdue is going to play. Uh, I, I would I would guess, and this is just a guess, that you're probably going to get back more to a four four man front on a consistent basis. But you know, the bottom line is they need to utilize uh, George Karloftis more better uh, than than they did uh, last year. And you know, he was hurt, had the high ankle sprain, and then you know missed the the last few games because of of COVID. Um, but they need to showcase him. He needs to be the centerpiece in, in some form of their defense, even though he's not playing in the middle. Uh, but they need to put him in a position uh, to succeed. And I, I do remember last year, the first day of spring practice, and some of us media types were, you know, it was a, it was a day we could watch, and they were uh, Purdue was lining up in a in a three four. And it just something about it didn't seem right from from George's standpoint. Whether you know he was going to get the same, uh, he would be in the same role that he was the year before when he was a freshman, when things really started to click for him. Um, it just didn't. It just didn't seem like a a good fit for his skill set at that time. But I would also say, in full disclosure, they they had moved Derek Barnes from the the end position. Um, to middle linebacker, which is his natural position. That's what he came in as. And I thought at the end of the 2019 season, Derek Barnes had a, it really come on from the end spot, played really well, was uh, was getting a lot of tackles for loss. Was uh, um, it, it, it seemed to fit that position. He's making a lot of plays in the backfield. And I thought, well, why would you move him back to linebacker? Now, linebacker didn't doesn't have – Still doesn't have a lot of depth there. They they need some help. They need some guys. They need some guys before this past season, and they need some guys going into next year. So I didn't think the move moving Derek back was a good move. But the way that Derek Barnes played this year at middle linebacker it turned out to be a, a good move, and I think uh, that's one that um, that that's a move I think worked that that did work out for for at least Derek personally. Uh, the defense still you know struggled to make some plays. Um, you know, to to get them off the field on third down, but for for Derek personally, I think that worked out for him, uh, and that's probably you know that's that's his future uh, in the NFL, and of course he's already decided to to go that route, so he's already training for the NFL. So, um, w- whatever direction Jeff Brom goes uh, with with his defensive coordinator, it's got a to me it's got a highlight. You know, it's got to highlight your best players on defense, and right now that's George Karloftis. And until we know exactly who's coming back, who's coming in, uh, you know, they have added one linebacker from Auburn uh, transfer, OC Brothers, who you know hasn't played a whole lot yet, but did you know has some, you know, when you look at the, some of his high school stuff, he you know he he was highly rated and has has a good skill set, but you know. It, it, he wasn't able to get on the field at Auburn. Doesn't mean he can't play. It's just he couldn't get on the field at Auburn and 
in two seasons, and he's going to give it a shot at Purdue. So you don't know exactly what what he's going to bring to the linebacker room, but um, you know whoever they hire as defensive coordinator really needs to, um, you know, you got to highlight those 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 star players, and Karloftis is one, and I think Demarcus Mitchell is you know assuming he can stay healthy and he comes back. Um, uh, yeah, assuming uh, he, he can come back, uh, or assuming he does come back, that um, he's another guy that uh, you know I think showed a lot of ability this year. That he he should be a guy that is an integral part of what you do what you do defensively, whether that's from the linebacker uh, position or uh, if that's at, at defensive end. Um, so. You know, Purdue's got a lot of questions to answer. You know, the number one thing from from the defensive standpoint is, um, you know, who's going to be the coordinator. Uh, you know, Jeff Brom did talk has talked to a lot of people um, across the college football landscape. Most of them um, somehow connected to Jeff, and whether it be through coaching or even playing from his pro days uh, in the XFL. Uh, there's been, you know, he, he's had a lot of conversations uh, with a lot of people, you know, trying to, to figure out what's best. I think he understands um, the importance of this hire uh, to really kind of solidify that side of the ball because this will be the third defensive coordinator in three years and you really you can't keep turning over your defensive coordinator. You can't keep turning over your staff uh, the way that it's been. Uh, so he needs to... He needs to get this right, and every, every, um, you know, every hire is a, is a crapshoot. But you know, I think he is doing his due diligence and trying to to figure out the best way uh, to get get this defense kind of settled down. But you know, he's also has some issues on offense that need to get straightened out. You know, the hiring of Mark Hagan, um, I, you know, I think it's a good hire. Again, as we as we mentioned earlier. Uh, he knows the state of Indiana, knows knows the history of Purdue's program, um, and I, you know I think he's a really good coach. Uh, I think he, you know, I think he'll he'll really enjoy working with George Karloftis, and I think George Karloftis will enjoy working with him. And uh, you know, and I, I could see George Karloftis taking a pretty big step forward this year. If, again, if he's in the right defense, in the right scheme, in the right system. I think he'll have an opportunity to do that, and I think Hagen will help him help him get there. Uh, but you know, Mark's a Mark is a number one. He's a good guy, uh, but he has tons of experience. You know, at Texas, Texas A and M, and in uh, Indiana, and also Purdue. So, and he's worked with really really good players over the years. Ryan Kerrigan and and Kwan Short are, are two Purdue guys that you know that thrived under his. Uh, some of his defense, and he's also um, he's coached he coached so many different positions at Purdue that you know he knows the entire defense. Um, but anyway, it's uh, I think it's it's good to have him back. He'll see some familiar faces around the athletic department, not many, but he'll see some familiar faces. The place has changed quite a bit since he since he was last here in 2010. Uh, what is that now? Brahms the third coach. <laughs> Because he would have worked uh, for Danny Hope, he would have worked for Danny Hope, and then obviously Hazel came, and then Brom. So uh, there's been a lot of changes, but you know I think uh, I think that's a good hire, and then we'll wait and see what happens 
with the defensive coordinator and the corner cornerbacks coach, linebackers coach. Obviously, one of those positions will 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 also be the coordinator. Uh, and whether that's the corner cornerback coach or the linebacker coach remains to be seen. Um, but you know, Purdue's got to you know. I, I still think there's a lot of time. Not a lot of time, but I, there's time to to get this straightened out. There was there was some talk last week that Monday would have been the date that they were uh, that that Jeff was ready to hire somebody, but um, that didn't happen. They hired Hagen, and or they Hagen uh, accepted the job on Monday. Purdue's yet really to announce uh, Hagen's uh, hiring. Um, but then you know I heard Monday that it might be the end of this week that something may happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, once you get an agreement in place, there's a lot of things that you got to iron out, uh, with, uh, with a lot of stuff. So it just doesn't, you know, sometimes it takes a couple days and if you got to deal with somebody's agent or representative, it takes, takes a little bit longer. Uh, but you know, I think, you know, I think Jeff's got a handful of guys he's looking at from a, from a coordinator standpoint. One of those is the Notre Dame assistant, uh, you know, Elston and, um, and you know he's a guy that was passed over uh, at Notre Dame for the defensive coordinator job that went to Marcus Freeman, the former Purdue assistant under under Daryl Hazel, who was at Cincinnati under Luke Fickle. And you know Marcus will do a, do a great job at Notre Dame, and Marcus is probably going to be a head coach here not before not too long. Um, you know he kind of saw some of that those characteristics when he was here. Um, at Purdue and he was just a young pup then, but he's, you know, he, he's, he's put himself in a position to, to land a, a nice job after what I think will probably be a good run at Notre Dame for him. You know, he's an excellent recruiter, uh, an excellent teacher. Um, and you know, I, he knows the game. Uh, he's still young enough to, to really relate to a lot of these players. Um, and you know, Purdue plays Notre Dame next year. So they'll get, they'll kind of get a firsthand, uh, First-hand experience of uh, Marcus Freeman and what 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 he he's all about. Anyway, covered a lot of ground today uh, in the podcast. Appreciate you stopping by. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll have uh, a recap of the uh, the IU game uh, coming up uh, after Thursday's uh, contest in Bloomington, uh, and then Purdue's back at it on Sunday. And a reminder on the schedule, again, Thursday at Indiana, Sunday at home against Penn State, and that game appears to be all set, even though Penn State has been on pause due to COVID, but they uh, everything seems to be set with, with that game. And Penn State actually had, earlier today had scheduled a press conference for, for, for Thursday. So that's a, that's a sign that you know things are uh, moving in the right direction to get that game played Sunday. I mean, unless they have something else pop up in the next day or two. But after Sunday, then Purdue will have one day to prepare to go to Ohio State. Uh, and then the next Friday, January 22nd, is when they will host the Red Hot Michigan Wolverines. And, you know, that's that's going. this is going to be a, a, a tough stretch for Purdue to, to manage. Um, and, you, you know, you get two at home and two on the road. Um, and just kind of see where you're at. Um, I didn't look at Ohio State's schedule to see if they just have one day to prepare uh, like Purdue does. Um, usually the schedule parameters um, set by the coaches 
is they want at least two days in between games uh, to to prepare. Um, and for the most part, that that's happened. But in this weird year where there are postponements and rescheduling, uh, you, you know, you probably have to adjust differently than you have in the past. And there's really no point complaining about it because it's not going to do any good. I'm just I'm more interested now where that Nebraska game is going to fall because after January 22nd, Purdue's going to have, I believe, eight days off between the 22nd and January 30th where they play Minnesota. So I don't know if all this maneuvering of scheduling was designed so they could reschedule the Purdue-Nebraska game. Uh, we'll just kind of wait and see on that. It wasn't part of the the announcements that came out on on Wednesday. It, it may be in part that Nebraska's program is on pause right now too. So there's some uncertainty exactly when they will they will get back at it. Uh, so, you know, just kind of stay tuned and to Twitter or uh, jconline.com to get the latest on what's going on. Appreciate you stopping by, and we'll talk to you after Thursday's game uh, against Indiana. And have a good day.